from Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Hello out there in Radio Land. It is I, your moderator, Justin Russell. Time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. Joining me in studio, he is the former Joe Biden political operative and attorney in the great state of Maryland in the District of Columbia. He is Dan Lipner Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Hola. Buenos dias, Justin. Ah, there we go. Okay. Rico Suave. Uh, Directly across the table, he is the former Undersecretary of Commerce uh, who served at last count under four presidents. He is the one we know as Alan Moore. Welcome back from vacation, Alan. It's good to have you in the studio again. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice to be back. And joining us from an undisclosed location in the Bay State, he is our resident masshole. He is the author of great books such as uh, American Politics on the Rocks. He is Rich Rubino. Hey, Rich. Hey. Rich, yeah, Rich, do you consider yourself a masshole? Oh, absolutely. All right, that's good. Uh, I, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. I don't know how to. I don't, yeah, I don't know how you can argue that. I, how you can argue that I'm not? I think when you're from here, you're pretty much. You, it's pretty much. It's pretty much congenital. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, behind the glasses, our uh, engineer in residence. He's Rob the engineer, and then Eric Thomas, our producer, is out doing producing type stuff. Uh, for those who listened to our last episode, it was you know kind of a a, a, a tough episode to do. So this will be a little bit more. Uh, uplifting as uplifting as talking about China and the democratic uh, debates can be, um, but we'll we'll give it a shot. But I do want to start off with uh, the fact that, uh, in case you haven't noticed, we're in a full fledged trade war with China right now. Uh, Alan, as the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade, is it safe to say that this is a full on trade war? Well, it's getting there, um, and and uh, the the thing about this president is that he is prone to shift directions in a heartbeat. So, um, what he he does something in one day, and then and then he changes, or he'll he'll take a move, make a move, and he'll say, "Well, we we had to get their attention, and we're we're hoping we can avoid uh, the, this getting worse." Um, he, he, he made a lot of mistakes. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this whole subject a long time. We do have major trade issues with China. No argument there. And he's trying to correct everything, not that he understands it all, but trying to make all sorts of corrections, uh, some of which uh, he, uh, are actually fed by ignorance on his his behalf, uh, which is a particular problem because there are a, a host of issues. But but what he one of the early mistakes he made was uh, was alienating true allies of ours, including in the trade sphere, uh, Mexico, Canada, Europe, and a whole host of Asian countries um, when he dropped out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership um, and when he imposed uh, tariffs on aluminum and, and, and steel from Europe and and from Canada um, and and made a whole host of threats. Well, let, let me ask this question, Alan. Well, let, let me just yeah. mention why I... The, the relevance of that is those countries all have issues with China as well. We had an opportunity at the beginning of this administration to unify... Um, the the much of the much of the developed world and developing world against some of the behaviors of China, but by alienating all of our major trading partners, we were left to in sort of a go it alone position b- between us and China, and we weakened our our hand. And now, without a lot of help, although we get some from some of our allies, we're trying to we're trying to go it alone. A and B, we've got a president who thinks if you talk tough, if you act tough, if you stretch the law and utilize uh, the 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 questionable ability to impose tariffs on selected or broader and broader lists of Chinese products, that a it's a good thing. B they will they will weaken and succumb. But he doesn't understand, doesn't want to understand the dynamics of uh, Chinese leadership and the the pressures that they have. So we're we're now in this case where uh, we thought we had a deal, then we didn't, then the Chinese were pulling back, modifying some things they they offered to do, 
and we we tried to to up the ante, and then we have the Chinese uh, letting their currency run free, effectively right. de- devaluing it. Now we've 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 officially called them a currency manipulator, manipulator. for the first time in 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 about twenty years. Um, and and that and, opens up the potential right. for a whole host of other and, and Rich Rubino, I mean, this is this is as Alan pointed out the first time that we've called uh, China a, a manipulator since what is it, nineteen ninety four? Yep, I think so. I I think that was the last time that it happened. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, does, does this seem? I I, I want to use the word arbitrary, but it it I don't know if that's the right word. I mean, what 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 reasoning would you have in putting sanctions? I mean, we've already put the tariffs on. We're now putting on sanctions as a result of the uh, classification as a currency manipulator. There's restrictions that go on that. Uh, why would you call our, one of our biggest trading partners, and oh, by the way, the largest holder of American federal debt, why would mm-hmm, you call them out mm-hmm. like that and, ma- and make that Make that bold a move. No, it's really – he's really playing with proverbial fire here. It's amazing that he's willing to do this the year before the presidential election. You know, the one thing that Donald Trump has going into the 2020 presidential election is the economy. People tend to vote on their – people tend to vote either better off than they were four years ago, and a lot of people right now are going to say yes. Now, if you're putting tariffs on China, if you're putting tariffs on other countries, obviously they're going to be retaliatory tariffs effectuated upon you. And that's going to affect, in a deleterious way, the economy. I mean, you have a lot of soybean farmers in places like Iowa the absolute, who voted for Donald Trump in 2016 based on economic reasons who are now saying, essentially, we're now looking back and they're saying, you know, why, you know, why did I vote for him in the first place? It's actually hurt me. So I don't see how this is benefiting him politically. I just know all I know is that Donald Trump, you know, the tariff has been the one thing that for somebody who I don't think really has a core belief system, I think he's more of an opportunist. That is one thing going back to his interviews with Oprah Winfrey in the 1980s, he's always talked about in terms of Japan, in terms of other countries, saying that they haven't played fair with us. We really need to put tariffs on. He's always been kind of an economic nationalist, and he believes that tariffs are something that can, potent- that can potentially benefit, benefit the country and can potentially achieve his political ends. But the other interesting thing here is that he's got the Democrats now being able to make the argument in the next election saying that Donald Trump raised your taxes. Now people say, how did he you raise your taxes? They're saying, well, you're paying more for products, aren't you? You're paying more for this. You're paying more for statement. that. So it really statement. doesn't benefit him politically, I don't think. But Dan Lipner, I mean, <laughs> you, 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 what's odd to me is that, you know, as a result of this, uh, this crossfire hurricane that we're in as far as trade goes with China, well, now China's made the order within the past 24 hours that we're going to just stop buying all American agricultural products. And the president comes out and touts the, what is it, a $14 billion farm bailout that he just uh, put up? Which is still in excess. The, the number which, that, which it doesn't even come I, close I, I, to well, the well, amount. I don't, I don't know the actual numbers off the top of my head. The uh, New York Times did report that we have been spending far more money in the bailout of farmers than has come in uh, from China. I know we're on the radio, so air quotes, from China uh, for our tariffs. So it's a net loser um, on that front. And mind you, also those tariffs, arguably those those agriculture areas might actually be buying some of those products that are from China so yeah they're actually we're actually paying for it twice so, but, but, it, this is wonderful it's so much winning it can hardly stand it right but but here's the thing is you know the the, <laughs> the one group that is getting screwed out of this it's is not again, one group it's it, well the one group that's getting screwed out of out of the agricultural side are the people that arguably put Donald Trump in place in, in, in mm-hmm. office in the first place. Yeah, all those red states, which is why it's going to be curious to see, uh, not the least of which, why what Jer- Joni Ernst does, who's up for re-election from Iowa. Um, this is an agriculture state. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's what could, Iowa does. Rich Rubino, could the argument be made that the blue wave that we saw in 2018 in Iowa is in direct response to the pressure that they're feeling because of what's happening, and that's only going to get worse as a result of the recent Chinese announcement they're not going to buy American uh, agriculture? There's a semblance of it, but there were other factors, too. Part of it was that the Democrats had very strong candidates who focused on specifically on issues like health care, 
They focused on the economy. They did not focus on impeachment so much. They focused on where they thought the voters um, wanted them to be, but they were basically moderates. That but moderates, but that was one issue that they used as, you know, as a wedge against the Republicans. Because now, some Republicans are seen as the party that supports, you know, that supports tariffs, and they can see direct effects specifically on fo- on so- on soybeans. But you also had, I mean, other places. You had Oklahoma. You had Kansas. I mean, Oklahoma. Literally since 2000, not one county in the state of Oklahoma, not one, has voted for a Democrat, has voted for a Democrat for president when that was in 2000, Gore won like eight of them. And in Oklahoma, you had, I mean, in Kansas, you saw some, just, just some really unbelievable switches from, these are incumbent Republicans that lost to Democrats. So there are so many other factors that basically I think if the Democrats stick to health care, the economy, and tariffs, and try to um, de-emphasize the other issues, then it could be a continuation of the blue wave and from 2018. It's but, also, but Trump's certainly going to use immigration and other issues as well. Also worth noting, and Alan, please fact-check me on this, uh, I do recall seeing the reporting that a number of businesses in response to to Trump's uh, trade war with China, um, I know much Donald Trump would have us believe that those jobs were, in fact, m- were moving to the United States, where, in fact, they're just moving to other Asian trading partners. Isn't, isn't that correct? I think I think that's correct. Yeah. So um, when when uh, it, it, it stands to reason that that if you've got a ten percent or even a twenty or twenty five percent tariff, that that the the importer and let's talk about Walmart, which is probably the largest importer of of, of consumer products from uh, uh, from China, um, would say, oh. We can't get these uh, porcelain cups uh, from China now without the 25% uh, tariff. What uh, Vietnam? What do you got? Bangladesh? What do you got? Uh, South Korea? You're too expensive. Um, but you, you you start shopping around, and and it's how the market system uh, marketplace but works. Now, did- now it's not as though everybody's got the capacity to replace this stuff. Doesn't happen overnight. If somebody's ordering. Uh, uh, gigantic cargo containers full of 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 uh, of, of housewares. Um, it's not like the capacity to replace it exists instantly, but over a year or two, it can. I mean these these are the kinds of things that that are happening. Those jobs aren't coming back to America, which was your point, right. and it's right. absolutely true that we're not going to be making clothing. In America, other than than designer uh, designer jackets and dresses, um, that's are, like you wear every day. It's it's just too expensive. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but next but, time, sh- shave your legs, Alan. Yeah. But yeah, the thank Jimmy you. Choo- <laughs> but the Jimmy Choo's are a definite bold statement. The, let, let me let me just jump in real quick on this one, Alan, because I, I, I want to bring up something that, that that was brought up earlier. Is you brought up the idea of what do you have Bangladesh, what do you have, uh, you know, insert Taipei, whatever. When George Bush in his first in his first term, George uh, W. Bush, wait, are we not acknowledging Taiwan on the show? I just want to make sure. Taiwan, I... yes, Taiwan. Okay, all right, fine. Well, Taiwan. Taiwan's kind of expensive Ta- yeah, too. Yeah. Hong Kong's way too expensive. Well, yeah. Hong Kong's China. Hong Kong t- well, technically it's... mainland China. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. But but going go back to my point is. In the first term of George W. Bush, he went after Chinese aluminum, put tariffs on specifically Chinese aluminum. And the Chinese aluminum company said, okay, we're going to move it to Taiwan. We're going to to Burma. We're going to move it to Taiwan. I mean, but other Southeast Asian countries owned by Chinese companies but imported from other, they still got what they wanted. Except they just went to a different border. Well, just to do remember, it. though, you don't you don't just close an aluminum plant here and open one somewhere else next yeah, week. Re- Retooling hard and expensive. These, these are and 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 those kinds of those kinds of situations were in response to particular actions brought against individual companies in China or in other countries who are breaking U.S. law. But if by, you talk by, to any economist... The, the phrase you use, it, I mean, under the law, you are dumping product below cost. Right. So there, there's there's laws in, in, in the Commerce Department, and I used to oversee the people that did all the anti-dumping uh, investigations. So a U.S. company makes a complaint. They're selling below cost 
Um, and here's the evidence that we have. And then the Commerce Department goes and decides, yep, you are. Then the International Trade Commission comes in and says, is it harming U.S. Uh, companies? And sometimes it isn't. It's being dumped, but it's not harming is, the company. It's a two-step better. process. But which is better? Because we saw the we saw President Bush get into some economic troubles when he started playing, as one economist called it, whack-a-mole tariffs on Chinese aluminum and following where they were going, as as opposed to the blanket cover-all approach that the Trump administration. Which is more dangerous? Where do we go? The Chinese were actually dumping at the time. In the case of, of, uh, it's totally different. In the case of President Bush, complaints were made, investigations were done, findings occurred, and then decision, and then and then and then if harm was being done, decisions were made on what to do. That's the way our laws are set up. That's the way the system works. It's selective. It's industry by industry. It it looks at individual countries and companies. What the president did was something totally different. He said, "Is there effect, any logic to their trade? To their trade policy? This president? This, president, this administration? This president, his his twisted logic, which I've been highly critical of, is that 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 there's a simplicity to it, which works works for him, but not for anybody who understands trade law, trade policy, economics. He basically says, if we have a trade deficit with a given country, they're they're taking advantage of us, and we need to change that. Um, now we've got about a trillion dollar trade deficit, so there's a lot of targets here. Um, it's actually nine hundred billion dollars, and the and the China's the biggest piece. Um, and it's gotten worse under the Trump administration. And, yeah, it, it, uh, indeed, because those trend lines were were hard to stop. You can't just stop imports from all of the companies that make products in response to American uh, the the American marketplace. They've got ex- massive capacity to right. to 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 build things, do things that we want. Now we gave away a lot of intellectual property. They do steal our intellectual property and those are some of the issues that are really important for us to deal with with regard to R- China. Richard Bino, I mean, the bottom line here is and especially as we're getting close to uh, fourth quarter, fourth calendar quarter, uh, in in the fiscal year, we're we're getting dangerously close to holiday shopping season. Is American is American consumers are American consumers ready to pay one hundred and fifty dollars for a Barbie doll that last year they would have paid twenty five for? I know it's extreme. Let me play it out. <laughs> the iPhone is the better argument. Uh huh. The well, iPhone no, no, argument no, no, no. But, is the but better argument. But here's the thing: argument. is they are. They, I mean, they've been talking about the putting iPhone tariffs on. Is going to get hit next on the on this next round. Well, I'm not a fan of iPhone. I, I don't like. I'm I mean, an like, Android person as well, but okay. the iPhone That's is fine. kind of a big deal. Fine. Is, are they going to pay? <laughs> are people going to pay eighteen hundred dollars for an iPhone as opposed to the four hundred that they would pay now? Those are the, but those <laughs> no, numbers I, just don't work, Justin. I mean, they're 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 absurd. The question is, if will they pay twelve hundred dollars for an iPhone that would cost a thousand dollars today? Those are the kinds yeah, of differences. That's more realistic. Yeah. And 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 I don't know how much for iPhones price. Yeah, I mean, they're all about a grand okay. now. So so you can you can you can uh, take your pick. It's not five. It doesn't increase the price by five times. It increases it by fifteen. 20%. Right. And that's a chunk of money. It and is. people say, wait a second, what are my options? And that's the federal government tax, let's be clear. <laughs> well, let me go. I mean, Rich, you agree? Androids, which are made in Korea, yeah. will not get hit by that tax. No, that's right, because they're, <laughs> oh, they're they're made in Korea. Uh, Rich, you agree? I think I think the answer is, if you, you know, people that are affluent anyways are going to continue to pay for them. People that aren't are not going to do that. And, they're gonna t- and there's going to be a lot of enmity. And they're going to take it out on Donald Trump because as long as the Democrats can continue the message of saying that you know, this is because it's, there's a direct correlation because of this and the tariffs, it's nothing for nothing, other, no other reason. Um, then you're going to see Donald Trump get up the exact same fate that, for example, you know, Jimmy Carter did in 1980. I mean, ask Jimmy Carter about the inflation and the high interest rates and people directly blamed it on him, whether it was fairly or unfairly in Donald Trump's case. I mean. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, this is a thing. So the fact that, and while the Fed doesn't say this explicitly, it it, it is strongly suggested that the slowdown in the economy and and the reduction of interest rates is the Fed's response 
to this trade war. But I, 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 which, by the way, and for, for folks who need a more macro understanding of this, for people who are not gaming the market, and this is a stock market, and as we've noted in the last couple of days, yep. it's a bit a little volatile. For people who are just savers, people who just put their money in the bank and do not want to play Russian roulette with the stock market, that is an injury to those people who but want to be the I most conservative back, of investors. I want to go back to what Rich was saying. Rich, I'm going to ask you this question. Could overpriced yep. iPhones and iPads be Donald Trump's gas lines? Yeah, that's, exa- that's, that's, exactly, the, that's exactly what I think it, it potentially could be tantamount to. And it's really it's, – I mean, I find it, it you know, fascinating that he's doing this because – you know, Donald Trump, everything that Donald Trump, I mean, whether it's the nativism, the ethno-nationalism, Donald Trump will do essentially anything he possibly can to win this election. Yet he still plays fire with China, and that's absolutely correct. I can see the Democrats' ads right now, whoever the Democratic nominee, showing somebody saying, you know, you wanted this item, you wanted this item, but it can't, but it be, but you, now you can't purchase it because, of the, because specifically of these tariffs. Now all of a sudden he's putting the Democrats in the position. I mean, this is amazing. He's putting the Democrats in the position of saying we need essentially that Donald Trump is raising your taxes and we're going to lower your taxes. All right. I don't know how the president necessarily benefits from this. It's just it's and somehow he thinks that he can do this. And certainly he can think that perhaps right. it's the nativism and it's the being anti-Chinese. But I don't th- I think this is really going to hurt him politically. Alan Moore, 30 seconds and then Rob, the engineer's ready to play you off. The, yeah, the key the, the key thing here, we're talking about iPhones, but think about every 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 product in Walmart. Right. Going up by 10 percent. But because of their their currency manipulation, it may not go up by 10 percent because it may now go up five. The dollar buys more. Because in in, pro, in 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 with the yuan, the the Chinese currency worth less. The, the we it screws everybody in China who's got savings. Don't 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 get it wrong, and they can't. But G and the central stuff. government don't but, care about that. But, but, oh, they do indeed. Yeah, they they do indeed. But but there's no free lunch. It's just it's it gets complicated. Right. But but right now, think about. All of Walmart. Don't think just about about the the iPhone. Right. Yeah. Okay. Back in. All right. Last word. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking about 2020 Democratic presidential debate coverage. Woo! They're sniping at themselves. We'll be back in one minute. This is Backroom Politics. Now I'm disgusted. I found him out. Had a show down. When I think of him, how much I love him. I get a desperate notion. That's the way I feel today. My heart is aching because he's making a plaything of my devotion. That's the way I feel today. Without any reason or a word to say, that man turned his keys in. What good is living? I'll soon be giving my body up to the ocean. That's the way I feel today.
Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And we're here in Studio A in your nation's capital, Washington, D.C. I got I got Alan Moore. I got Dan Lipner, Rob the Engineer behind the glass. Uh, we've got Rich Rubino up in the Great Bay State of Massachusetts. Justin, you could, try, you could sound a little more excited when you're looking at all of us and announcing us. You, the, yeah, this uh, guy is here. No, because you know why? You know why? I have to talk about something that's really depressing. The Democratic debate. That was just a mess. I mean, what, I mean, are you? let me ask you. Are you excited about the 2020 Democratic debate that happened in the past seven days? So I'm going to quote <laughs> somebody here. Um, it's a yes or no question. The, the line. The, Are you happy? That, that was the most that, that was most clear was, you know, the president was attacked on his health care policies and his immigration policies. Unfortunately, that president who was attacked on those things was Barack Obama. <laughs> Um, uh, That was Bill Maher I'm quoting there, and unfortunately, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, Dan Lipner, I mean, as a former Joe Biden political operative, uh, not to pick on Uncle Joe, because, I mean, I've announced previously, I'm a fan of Uncle Joe. I I wish we could make him vice president for life. Unfortunately, he's running for president. Uh, Is There are no term limits on vice president. I'm telling you, vice president for life, Joe Biden. The... His performance as the front runner, did he really demonstrate his position as a front runner? Um, he didn't do as bad as everyone is suggesting, and this is the. But again, did he solidify himself as a quote unquote front runner in that performance? Yeah, he's still fine. I mean, the fact of the matter is, he's still the front runner. Yeah, yeah, like, true. P- part of the reason for the Obama attacks was also an attack on Joe Biden by proxy. Um, and it, w- with the field as large as it is, and and seemingly not being whittled down, um, and worse yet, Marianne Williamson being the most Google <laughs> candidate. Um, yeah, the, the, the fact that she's referred to as a self-help guru, and that's not a slur, and she's running for president somebody, is challenging, to say the least. tell me, what is Marianne? What is she? I mean, I hear self-help guru. What? She's an author uh, who who You're right I think about self-help writes <laughs> has a, a number of. But where does she get her books. political credibility? Oprah Winfrey. From, Is that from true? Oprah. Yes. She's she's a regular she, 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 on Oprah. Oprah made her, and she uh, and she met the DNC's criteria for who gets on the stage. So. Blame, Is that gonna... blame the DNC? Yeah, true. Yeah, true. And, and, and... she ran for Congress once too, and she lost. I yes. mean, and, yeah, and not, not even close. Of the vote. Yeah, fourteen percent of the vote. Was that in the primary, or did she actually get the nomination? That was in the primary. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Marianne Williamson. Well, that what, was what, that was more than Donald Trump ever did. What? What? what, what True. What, yeah, actually, that, 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 that's, but we elected him president. Oh, that, 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 that's your point. That's a that's a worthy <laughs> contrast uh, between Democrats and Republicans. The media personality who has no credentials whatsoever, while unfortunately isn't involved in the debates uh, because of the very liberal access that the DNC has created, she is still hovering around one to nothing. Uh, and that would be a percentage in right. the polls, while unfortunately now, 1% of, of a country of 300 million people is not an inconsequential sum of people. Um, so the Democratic enough. Party is not taking her seriously as far as the people who actually vote. Who? Um, who? What do you mean who? Who are you talking about? Democrats. She said they're not. They're not. They're, they're yeah. not taking oh, her seriously. Oh, I, I yeah, thought yeah, you yeah. said they are. I was in, like, wait, in, wait, in, contrast, in, in contrast to the TV personality real estate mogul of sorts um, who is now occupying 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, 
so seemingly the Democrats are are, are, are immune to such things. That said, um, uh, also quoting another media personality, Ventura, uh, for- <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Go ahead about talk about immunities. Well, Schwarzenegger was a Republican. Schwarzenegger was a Republican. Jesse Ventura was Jesse an independent. Ventura endor- Jesse Ventura endorsed Marianne Williamson when she ran for Congress. Yeah, so I'm gonna. I, he's also he's also been body slammed so, so, a ton of times. So, so I'm I'm more more and more comfortable with my position. Thank you for the support, Alan. Um, so the 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 point being that that um, I'm trying to remember uh, uh, another from Morning Joe uh, who, who pointed out Mika Brzezinski. No, uh, the, the 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 advertising guru whose name I've oh Donnie Deutsch. Donnie Deutsch who pointed out that the Democratic Party is a party of nerds. Um, um, fortunately. There is some point to that. Um, the between both debates, there was actually getting lost in the weeds on the 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 fight between uh, O'Rourke and uh, Castro with the whatever subsection yeah. something of the Immigration Act. <laughs> somebody and, said, somebody uh, this, said, and the the the. Ha- Adding to that with this latest debate with Bernie Williams, the I know what was in the bill. I wrote that you bill. You had to do it. You yes, had, had to, do, to that. do it. Bernie but, Sanders. Yeah. You said Bernie Williams. Yeah, yeah. I you think did Bernie, say Williams Bernie Williams plays Williams. for the Yankees. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie Williams might be a better candidate than Bernie Sanders at the moment. Um, that said, Bernie, but, 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 Bernie but, but, Sanders. Uh, Talking about this and the fact that it was even raised as a question on the subsection of whatever Billy wrote. But Dan, Jesus let me ask Christ, you a question. This it, is not where normal people somebody, are. I, uh, that somebody, said, the Democratic Party is at least engaging in something resembling substance. I, I heard. I heard from a friend of mine. We were sitting around Shelley's having a cigar, and a friend of mine said, "It's almost like Beto O'Rourke and Julian Castro are playing. Who can be more Latino? Who can be more Texan?" Is that, I mean, is, is that going to just cross each other out, or are they overplaying their hand to try and get a Latino base to get them forward? No, I, I, um, I've noticed that as well, and I don't think either of them are actually running for president. Both of them are running for yep. a statewide office in Texas. You think they're going, you think this is a prep for a Senate run in 2020? Yeah, that or. That and or a governor's run. Uh, I don't. I don't know what Abbott's numbers are in Texas, but pretty popular right now. Um, Interesting. He, 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 Beto speaks yeah. better Spanish than Julian Castro. By, by the way, it's also that's true. It's it's also actually not just better. I don't think Julian Castro speaks Spanish. No, he does. He, um, he speaks they bad. All, they, they all will speak some. Yeah, but it'll be kind of a, a it, mix. Pigeon. It's, it's what I call Spanish Telemundo English. Spanish. It's enough to watch Sabado Gigante and get by, but not enough to really be but, fluent. But, but, he, but that he, said, he, the Castro it, brothers grew up at a time when the emphasis was on don't English. speak Spanish, just learn and, English. And, and, that's, and that's a fair point. It's just kind of a curious. Correct. Anomaly. And, uh, and yeah. same thing in the same thing in the Cuban communities down in Miami. Same thing. But, but, I, but worth noting yeah, yeah. that that the run for president as a precursor to a Senate bid is not unique. Uh, Elizabeth Dole ran for president after being a multiple times a cabinet secretary, and she did nothing in the presidential primaries, but promptly turned her sights to running for Senate and won. Right. So there, there, there is something to be said. You get a national stage, you get national fundraising lists, and then when you change your mind, look at that. That suddenly Senate is a pretty good gig. So is, is there, you know, Rich Rubino, is there any advantage right now? Because, you know, one would think that, excuse me, taking pot shots at Donald Trump would be logical, but... Taking swipes at Obama, I mean, I mean, they literally went after Obamacare, which everybody on yeah. that stage supported. I mean, and the Democratic where's the Party tactic in this? Wildly supports an excess right. of eighty percent of Democrats are in favor of Obamacare. Where, but where, where's the logic yeah. in this, Rich? Yeah, well, first I just wanted to go back to that in terms. Of, I can agree completely. That's what I think Castro was doing, and I think when he went after Beto O'Rourke in that de- in the first debate. You know, people say, why do you why are you punch down? Why are you punching down at somebody that's a one that's a two percent when you're at four percent? That's because I think he I think he's potentially it's the beginning of a of a potential senatorial run. Chris Bell, by the way, is already in the race. He ran for governor. He's a former congressman. But this two thousand twenty, they're both basically positioning for that. And Greg Abbott's up in twenty twenty two, and but there's potential too that Greg Abbott could not run for reelection. So they're both basically looking to that. But I think Castro. I think he probably ruined his chances of becoming a vice presidential nominee when he talks about decriminalization of the border. I mean, I can picture I could just picture Donald Trump having a field day with that one. Now on to the now on to the uh, what was the other question you asked? Uh, at that point, I uh, forget it. Hey, uh, <laughs> the, 
Alan Moore, the, the 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 one strange thing I've got to ask you is, do you think you some strange Cam- things all the time? I, I know, but I'm gonna. This one's a really strange one. Does 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 Kamala Harris actually have a briefing book before she goes in to these debates? Because she was asked questions and took pot shots at her own health care bill during the debate. Well, that's because she's shifted her view. Uh, it's her bill. Uh, well, she 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 produced that bill just uh, literally days before the debate, having previously signed up for Medicare for all and realize and and let's get rid of all private insurance uh, eventually, uh, and then was backtracking. She, she misunderstood. She the had question. been backtracking on that, <laughs> and then came came up with this bill that that was so so trying to cut the middle that all the Medicare for all people attacked it, and and all the Obamacare supporters attacked it, um, and so uh, I think she's she, still trying to figure out what it, exactly it is. I think she, I, I, I I will tell you I was surprised at the lack of preparedness she was for that question which she, that should have been uh, right what do you what do you what are you groaning no, no, no. At? so so, so look, it's her no, bill. No, no, no. stepping stepping back for a second um running for president is a different creature um for anyone who's run for office at the congressional level it's one step of the dissecting everything that is you uh running for for governor running for senate that's a different level of dissecting you as a human being <laughs> Running for president of the United States, absolutely everything is up for grabs all the time. You bring up a very good point. And as a senator from California, um, once she got the nomination, even though uh, I don't know who the other Democrat she was running against. Sanchez. She, um, and yeah. she, she she wiped the floor with him, correct? I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. Her, her, her was, yes. Yes. Uh, Congresswoman. Uh, yeah, and she actually had Joe Biden oh, nominate, her, right. nominate her at the convention, interestingly. So, right. so uh, it's a different deal when you're running for president and then but everything But simple you've ever done. debate prep, Dan. No, no, it's, it, it, it's more than that. You are preparing for literally any question under the sun. She could have asked, could have been asked about the we Yankees' in... prospects of the World Series. Oh, there Dan. are things that simply are not going to be there. Dan. That said, should she should she have been more prepared? Or I want, Dan, I want you to look me straight in the face right now and tell me that there is not a definitive lack of true debate prep amongst at least the top 10 runners going because I didn't see I it. I absolutely disagree with you that. You do? I, I do too. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's ever been involved with this and the after the first debate where, where Biden got smacked uh, by Harris and by the way, the, the, the after a couple of days when people were looking at actual and following up with Kath, uh, not Catherine Harris, excuse me, uh, Kamala Harris. Um, You're all over the place today. Well, and Catherine Harris <laughs> did run for Senate in Florida. <laughs> uh, Kamala Harris uh, following up on her own busing uh, position. Lo and behold, it's not so different from what Senator Biden's was back in the day. Uh, that said, the the preparation that occurs. It's referred to as a teachable moment. Once you get get smacked down on national television. Your positions change and your preparation changes with a vengeance. That said, it's still really hard. The debate was three hours. And you're there having not only to defend and respond to your own positions, but in real time have to deal with everything else that's flying out from both your opponents and the President of the United States in real time of uh, of policy issues. It's really hard. Uh, And, And from the moderators who seem to like to say to to one candidate, now you said this uh, about your opponent over here. Do you want to expand on that? Do you agree with that? And so there, there was an effort to create one against one dynamics by the moderator. So you're, you, you want Something to, that makes for you, good TV, not you, necessarily good policy. Exactly. Well, you want no, to, what you, they you, created was a big dogfight ring. So when you're trying to create, when you're trying to prepare for one of these things, you've got a big fat briefing book where you've got something on every possible issue, particularly ones where you're trying to differentiate yourself, and you are uh, trying to do that. And then you have to prepare 
for what the other nine people on the stage might say to you. And we we know now that that's one of the things that they enjoy doing. And then you've got the moderators who are also trying to pit one against one for 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 TV and human interest purposes. It's really hard to stay on top of all of that. Now they're getting more practice. I mean, Biden did better the round two than in round one. Was it that he did so great? It was just that he he did better. Biden's done better in past years, in past debates. And and, and, uh, he's never had had any experience like this. Yeah, 10 people on the stage and also being the front runner. Therefore, being the front runner, right? People wanting, he's got the most points to steal than anyone else on the stage. So if you're going to do anything, that's where you go after, which is why the the O'Rourke-Castro uh, fight seems to be odd unless you're looking in context of Texas specifically. The, the other candidates that are out there are just struggling for life. Delaney and his, uh, his health care points, and by the way, he has a fair amount of substance on, the, on this for, for himself independently of his, both his, his life in Congress. But it's but, hemorrhaging backing, though. That, I mean, that's the problem. What he, backing does he have to hemorrhage? He's... At what one percent? He made the stage. I mean, he made the stage. He's done now. The, 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 the big cuts are going to happen the next round. So, they, well, they reduce it down to what seven now? It's not. It's not a. It's not a. I don't believe it's a hard hard number of people on the stage. It's the how much support you have. Okay. And suddenly it's those numbers are going to tougher criteria. Right. Are, are going to start yeah, falling. Yeah. Go ahead, Rich Rubino. Yeah. Just. I'm, I know that there's a lot of questions about why Canada specifically went after Barack Obama. I think that's what you asked. Yeah. The reason is when people say when you say Barack Obama's overall job approval rating is, you know, 95 percent with Democrats and people are saying, why is he doing that? Remember, they're not going issue by issue. There are a lot of issues that the liberal the liberal base, the Democratic Party was angry at during the Barack Obama's administration. They didn't like the fact, for example, that he went in that he had the troop surge in Afghanistan would be one issue. The other issue would be the, the fact that he promoted the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That was another issue. The fact that um, you know, he signed the fact that he the fact that he signed a health care plan that did not have a public option. So what the Democrats are doing is they're finding issues where the left has had some antagonism. Another one you might find from specifically, I think, in, in future debates if Tulsi Gabbard gets in, she might bring up the fact that, you know, the invasion of Libya, she might bring up the increased drone strikes. Well, she's example. a bot. Oh, no. She's a bot. T- so Tulsi, it matter. Tulsi Gabbard is, but has some pretty disturbing statements, including with about Assad and Syria. Uh, I. I I've been on the record on the show saying Tulsi Gabbard's been been questionable on a couple issues, and now she's said it overtly. Uh, well, she while said it. In, she said it in one-on-one interviews after the Miami debates. She sat down and she would not back off the fact it, the it, question of Assad. That's one with of Anderson a, Cooper. That's one of a number of foreign policy positions that Tulsi Gabbard has that are that are challenging to say the least. But but I mean, is, is she? Go ahead, Rich Rubino, real quick. Yeah, I was going to say with Tulsi Gabbard though. You know, she get, she's getting a little bit of support on the libertarian right as well. It reminds me, when she talks, it reminds me a lot of what the same deb- argument that Ron Paul was making in 2008 and 2012 when he had a confrontation with Rudy Giuliani. He said, they're over here we're talking about al-Qaeda because we were over there. It's the same, essentially, it's the same, ty- it's the same group of people who are voting specifically on foreign policy issues that are non-interventionists that say, you know, we should bring the troops home. In Tulsi Gabbard's case, it's different because in Ron Paul's case, he's saying we should bring the troops home you mean to Rand give the Paul, money right? back to the taxpayers. Rand Paul. Rand, no, Ron Paul. Ron, oh, no, really? this is Ron Paul when he ran in 2008 and 2012. He was saying that the United States needs to have a non-interventionist foreign oh, I see policy what you're saying. and bring the troops home. That's what she's saying. But she's saying we should bring the money back and then we should pay for it for veterans. We should pay for it for health care. So that's where they differ. Right. But it's yeah, the but same, didn't she actually have a sit-down method. with Assad? She did. She, oh, allegedly. Exactly. I don't know if that's oh, she been... says she, she says she no she was over there and she says that she had a meeting and they later on asked her why she did it and she said well you know she said Nixon met with Mao she went through you know right. Kennedy meeting with Bruce she's Jeff, not and said they can meet with them <laughs> and, and and Assad is not Mao she, so she, Alan she Moore, made that she made that an analogy right Alan Moore I mean I heard somebody say that Tulsi Gabbard could be the Ross Perot of the Democrats do you see any viability in that. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not sure what that means. I think the, the thing. The thing about her is she turned out to be reasonably articulate, and she took on Kamala Harris too, um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 on a couple of. But could she be a spoiler? Well, could she draw? Yeah, she she got a bump out of this. She's, she did. She's at about three percent now. Three percent 
Bernie's at or Biden's at like twenty, and 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 Bernie's at seventeen, and Warren's at fourteen. Yeah, worth noting Bi- the, the 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 Biden numbers actually have completely or almost completely rebounded from his first debate. So, right. um, the the armchair quarterbacking that occurs immediately after somewhat overstates the case. Yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Oh no no no, and I and and you know and, and Harris who had the had the breakout moment fell back into the pack and she was weak on a right. few things. Booker was 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 destroying his relationship with Biden um with some bizarre kind of challenging it, challenges and name calling and then Biden tried to fight back on on crime in Newark and and stop and frisk behavior in in Newark and and it, it it ended up being kind of a mush. I don't, but I don't know that it it particularly helped. Is Pete Buttigieg, uh, is Pete Buttigieg off the radar now? I mean, do, I no, mean do, no. I mean, I think his numbers have kind of solidified where they are. And so, when you're looking at, at least for me, when looking at the debate numbers and just everyone's overall poll numbers, it's there's a certain uh, when I look at candidates, I look for something that's uh, almost intangible, whether or not somebody is the real deal. Uh, the the candidates on stage that I put forth as the real deal, uh, Biden, absolutely. Elizabeth Warren, who has been steadily mm-hmm. moving up in the polls, yeah. she's not not been she's not had any she, of those, she's closing those breakout the gap between moments, her and Biden. Though. But she's everyone who sees her or or hears her speak consistently um, is amazed and impressed by her full grasp is, of the issues and being able to relate those things to working folks, which is something the Democratic Party has been sadly lacking we, for quite a while. Who are the three, real quickly? We got five minutes. And left. Buttigieg is is absolutely the real deal. There is absolutely. I'm not nobody. saying he's the real deal. I mean, does does he? Is there enough? Is there enough momentum for Mayor Pete to overcome the gap that he's got to climb over? Both Joe Biden. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. It's too. It's too early to say. Once the field starts, Harris and one, one, Once the field starts thinning, and some of the 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 impossible or nonsense candidates, Marion Williamson, uh, start dropping mm-hmm. from the field, then we'll uh, get a chance to actually see what plays out. You, you, At the moment, it's just too early. You know. And, and first and of all, first of all, Dan, in, embrace the love. Embrace well, the love. Uh, well, no. we, you, you want to hear need, a downing you, statistic? You, you, oh, oh, sure. Hold on. Oh, sure. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We, no, we, we do, Rich. Let me just make one, one point yeah, here. Okay. That, that I think when we get the front runners onto the stage together, that will change the dynamic. Warren and Biden have not been on the stage together, for example, and and Biden and Bernie have not been on the stage together. So when when we when we get that that the the upper echelon together, when the when the when the group shrinks, we're gonna. I think that will change the dynamic. One other fact about about Elizabeth Warren to pay attention to. She may be in third right now in, in the big three, but but on on people's second choice, she's the second choice of 21%. So keep track of that too. So when, if, if, if your front runner f- falls away um, and you start looking to to your second choice, Warren is positioned Actually, even if, to Actually, even if the front runner doesn't f- fall away, that second choice thing and having experience in it, Iowa, Iowa caucuses, that matters and that matters huge. But, no, and I'm not can, even talking about the front runner. I'm talking about the, 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 the large group. Right. You know, so, the, so if you're the second choice, if, if, if Marianne Williams we, is your first choice and Elizabeth <laughs> Warren is your second choice, <laughs> no, no, that matters. And no, it does. That's what I'm saying. That matters huge. Those people are going to drop away and she's going to pick up some of that. It doesn't all have to come from Biden or Sanders. But let me ask Here's this question. You'll find. Oh, yeah. oh, go ahead, oh, Rich Rubino. Go ahead, yeah. Rich Rubino. Okay. Here's something. Okay, in the state, in, in, in the country right now, in the Democratic Party, among African-American Democrats, African-American Democrats, do you know where Kamala Harris stands right now? Where? One percent. Yeah. She's getting, Joe Biden is getting 47 percent of African-American Democrats. Kamala Harris, the Afri- an Af- who's, I guess, who's half Jamaican, half Indian, is at one percent in the African American community? I just find that absolutely she's amazing. Gonna, I mean, she's going to have a hard time. And, and Booker's, Booker's down not, there too. Yeah, Booker's only at about about three percent. And the reality is, is Kamala Harris talking to some black Republican leaders. Ha, Kamala Harris has a problem, even though she does a good job about her social justice uh, language. Now, she's got to mm-hmm. offset. The fact that she was a prosecutor put a lot of black people in jail and as an attorney general upheld a lot of those 
strict sentences. That's I mean, yeah, so it's, it's, it's perception. Absolutely. It's optics. It's perception. No, no, it's optics. No, no, but it's, it's, that's it's still more, a hurdle. No, 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 it's more than that. And this is uh, she's not the only person with this problem. Uh, Biden very notably. Yeah, we've we've the, gone the, over that. The, the ability to have a narrative that explains the positions of your past to the current time um, that she has remarkably been ill-equipped yeah. for. Uh, I mean, Two minutes. So everything from her position on a death penalty to mass incarceration, mm -hmm. it, it is, in my mind, there's a communications narrative that you can construct that apparently nobody on her team right. has, has, has seen fit to go, listen, at the time when you were talking about the height of the crack epidemic and, the, the, and, yep. and, and when people were really scared, yes, we, we probably overstepped. And was I part of that? Absolutely. But now times have changed. We are seeing the light. We are seeing something more. And this is what I've done. Tell, tell that to a black community that now rates her at 2%. Well, keep in mind, Joe Biden, who was the author of the 94 crime bill, uh, even is though- Is that 47%? I mean, there's some logic behind it, no, but no, yeah, there, that's the reality. There, there is absolutely logic mm -hmm. behind it because Biden, while still somewhat clumsily, has been able to at least construct a narrative to to at least say, yeah. By the way, this is what we were dealing with then. It right. then was not now. Oh, true. Uh, big winner, big loser in uh, debate in Detroit last week. Dan Lipner. I don't know. Apparently, Marion Williamson was a big winner because the most googled candidate from the debates. <laughs> uh, <laughs> biggest loser, the Democratic Party, because Marion Williamson was the most googled candidate from the debates. <laughs> Alan Moore. Uh, biggest winner was Trump. Biggest loser was the Democrats. Uh, Rich Rubino. Biggest winner was Elizabeth Warren. Uh, biggest loser was Kamala Harris. Uh, actually, we are going to give the award to uh, Dan Lipner. <laughs> I mean, if you are the most Google, <laughs> I mean, first of all, Googling gets numbers, and there's probably a lot of people going, wow, she feels me. Tulsi Gabbard got that after the first <laughs> she debate. She got a lot yeah. of Googles, yep. She did. Uh, okay, and, and by the way, when the funny thing is, looking in the glass and seeing Charlie Bernie literally just pumping up the roof. When you guys gave your answers, <laughs> epic, epic. On the audience was only half the size yeah, yeah, yeah. for the second one, too. Yeah, that, that's, that, that is true. That is true. Um, on behalf of Dan Lipner, uh, Alan Moore, Rich Rubino, and special thanks, obviously, uh, Rob the Engineer keeping us honest behind the glass, Eric Thomas, our producer, doing producer stuff. Always good to have Charlie. Charlie, our host here at Podcast Village Behind the Glass. We love you, Charlie. And by the way, if you're doing podcast work, come check this stuff out. This is a really cool place to do it. Uh, I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell. We will be back for the best political talk show you've never heard of. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us by going to our website, www.backroompolitics.org. You can download us as a podcast on your favorite podcast service, including Google, Apple, and Spotify. We're kind of a big deal. Have a great week, America. See you soon.